I am in the midst of the saga, the story uh, of uh, Yaakov and Esav. You know? So I want to continue. And we see a tremendous thing. How there's really an overt story and there's a covert story. And the amazing thing is that the covert story, which is a story in a different level of understanding, uses the exact same verses, psukim, of the Torah that talks about or is a narrative of the overt story. That's the astonishing thing. And like I say, a beautiful example of all of this is Yaakov and Esav. That's what I'm doing. Now, there's one more thing I want to say. I mean, there are people that find it very strange. They never heard of this. That Esav was an, was an of. That's like incredible. They never heard something like that. I mean, we're all familiar with the fact that there are three of us. There are not four of us. Not only that, but that Esau should be the fourth of? It's astonishing. But that's what it is. And to show that, I read the text of a sefer called Kinnis Hashem Tzavokas, written by the Ramchal, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lusato, where he says it himself. Now, I want to also show you that it's not only the Ramchal that says it. Rashi, the great commentator called Rashi, he says it. If you take a look at Chukas, right, which is in Parshish Dvorim, I should say Sefer Dvorim, here's what it says in Chukas. I think it's in Shani. Here's what it says. Moshe Rabbeinu and the Jewish people, they're moving. Right? And they want to pass the lands of Edom. <clears throat> right? To somehow, because obviously, uh, you know, Edom had the lands south of Israel. Harseir was sort of like in the area of Elat. So the Jews wanted to cut through that land, getting to Israel. So Moshe Rabbeinu sends a message, which is in the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu sends a message to the king of Edom. And here's what he says. Thus says your brother, meaning us, right? That let, that, uh, let us pass through your land. And we promise we won't touch anybody. No war, no, no any kind of violence. You know, we're not even going to take your food, whatever. But let us pass through your land. That's all. Let us have a passage. So the Edomite king, whoever it was, says, Nope, can't do that. If you do that, I'm going to come out to war with you if you come into my land. Right? So Moshe Rabbeinu did not go through the land of Edom. So therefore he went around the land of Edom which means he had to make a much further uh, circuit to get to Eretz Israel. <clears throat> so Rashi there says the following. Rashi, right on that, where Moshe Rabbeinu says, Thus says your brother Israel. So Rashi asks a question. 
says, why all of a sudden did Moshe Rabbeinu mention brotherhood? He just should have said, thus says Israel, please let me pass through your lands. Why does Moshe Rabbeinu say, uh, thus says your brother, Ochicho, Israel? Right? That's what he asks, which is really a very valid question. Like, uh, okay, we know that we, that Esau was our brother. Says that in the Torah, obviously. Esau is the brother of Yaakov. But why does he have to mention it now? So here's what Rashi says. That Moshe Rabbeinu was imploring the king of Edom to pass through their land. Because he was trying to offer an argument and saying, you know, that concept where the Bosham says to our, about Avram Avinu that your children will be in a land that they don't know. You know, he says that by the Brisbane Absurum. When the Bosham says to Avram Avinu, your children will be in a land that they don't know and they will serve them for hundreds of years and then they'll go out with great possessions. Right? That's what it says. So, Moshe Rabbeinu says, and Rashi continues, that Moshe Rabbeinu said to the king of Edom, you know, who is, who is the Rabbeinu Shem talking about when he said that your children will be in the land of whatever it was, which of course turned out to be Egypt, right? So, the Rabbeinu Shem referred to the children. Who are they? Yaakov and Esau. Rashi says that. This is a medish, by the way. So, uh, really, who was supposed to be in Egypt as slaves for hundreds of years? Right? The descendants of Yaakov and the descendants of Esau. Wait a minute. Why? Because Esau's descendants should have been Jews. So, therefore, the Jewish people that descends from Yaakov and the Jewish people that descends from Esau, right, are the intended targets to be in the land of Egypt. This is what the Rebbeinu was saying. So Moshe Rabbeinu continues and said, instead what happened? Esau threw off, right, the mission of doing that, meaning being in Egypt, and he threw it on Yaakov and he left. So Rashi says that. So what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to uh, the uh, king of Edom, right, so you owe us a favor. We're the ones who fulfilled the mission where the Jews were slaves in Egypt. And your ancestor, I mean, your Esau, who was your forefather, he refused. He threw it on Yaakov, and he left. He and his descendants. You see? This is what Moshe Rabbeinu says to the descendants of Esau, king of Edom. But wait a minute. <clears throat> Why were the Jews in Egypt? If you recall from previous Shurim, when I talked about the Pesach Shurim, <clears throat> because the Jews were doing the Tikkun process. Because I mentioned that when Avram Avinu took over, becoming Jewish, or making a covenant, an agreement with God, right? <clears throat> to do the Tikkun process, because he was taking it away from the people of the world, the nations of the world. So he said, I'm going to make the covenant, the agreement, with you only. <clears throat> so the Bershom told Avram, but the idea to do the Tikkun is not from now, from henceforth, 
but you have to undo all the sins of the previous generations of all the nations of the world because they were able to also do the tikkun uh, if you recall what I said in previous shurim they also, all mankind could do the tikkun and then at the Brisbane Absorum covenant between the pieces the Rosham took it away from who? Uh, from the nations of the world and gave it to Avram Avinu and his descendants. But why? Because in order to do the tikkun, right, you needed not only from now on to do the mitzvahs or whatever, right, the obligations, uh, which included going to Egypt, right, but also, what it also meant, right, is to undo all the sins of the nations of the world in all the previous generations, all the way back to other Mauritian. <clears throat> and then you could do the Tikkun, right? So the reason why the Jews went to Egypt is to undo all the sins, the kilkul, the damage of the previous generations of all the other nations. You see? Uh, so now, Moshe Rabbein was saying, well then, who had to do the Tikkun? <clears throat> Which descendants of Avram? that ultimately had to go to Egypt. So, uh, the Rosh says, it wasn't only the descendants of Yaakov, right? It was also the descendants, or the Shvatim actually, that would have been the tribes of Esau. Both of us. But that would have meant that Esau would be doing the Tikkun. Because their mission was the exact same mission as the children of Yaakov. Uh, and, and therefore, Going to Egypt was part of the Tikkun process. But how could that be? And the answer is, because Esav is an Ov. Esav is a Jew. And as I mentioned last week, or the week before, that had Esav not been a Russia, then he would have, the Medrash says, he would have had six tribes, and Yaakov would have had six tribes. So it comes out, Rashi saying, right, that Esav was an Ov, because he was in the Tikkun process, right? So not only the descendants of Yaakov was in the Tikkun process, also Esav's descendants, because Esav would have still been Jewish. And therefore, he also would have had the mission, right, to do the Tikkun, and part of that was to be in Egypt, ultimately, as slaves, to undo the evil of all the nations of the world from other Mauritian. Isn't that amazing? So that Medrash clearly, which Rashi brings down, is saying that Asa was a Jew, he was an Av, and therefore he had the same mission as the descendants of Yaakov, which would make Asa, right, a patriarch. There you are. Ah, so this is a Rashi in Chukas, you see. And there are other people that speak about it. You know, there's a Rosh Hashiva, formerly of Torah His name is uh, Rav Gedal Yeshua. And he was a very big Baal Hashkofa. He was very big into uh, Ramchal. And he wrote a sefer on Hashkofa called Or Gedal The Light of Gedal And in Parshas Tildes, he actually talks about the whole concept that Esau was an of worthwhile looking at that safer you see <clears throat> anyway I wanted to say that 
you know, for people who find it very strange, ah, how could you say that Asaf is enough? Anyway, and I mentioned other things also. Okay, great. So therefore, what do we see so far? Is that both had the job of Tikkun, Yaakov and Asaf, right? Okay. And uh, Asaf, we know, became a Russia, as I said, right? Uh, so I mentioned that Yaakov, by buying the birthright, right, he stopped Esav from being an Ov, or from being able to do Tikkun, you see, because whoever can do Tikkun can also do Kilko, damage. And Esav, as a Nisham of an Ov, he had the soul of an Ov, was doing unbelievable damage. And Yitzchak, when he gave the blessings to who? To Yaakov, he gave him the permanence of the job of Esav. Of course, it was unwitting, but he did it. And we know that the job of Esav, which is Kfir Sarah, to subdue, subdue evil ultimately and bring it under the rule of Kedusha, that really ultimately is the job of the Mashiach ben Yosef. It's really what Esav was doing. That's his job. Uh, so he gave it over to Yaakov because I mentioned that somebody has to do the job of Esav. If Esau failed, you can't just walk away from that job because there are two jobs. You see, if you remember, that Ferris has two jobs. His Pashtas Kedusha, which is to bring down holiness, and that's why he's called Yoshev Yeholam, dweller in tent, of tents, and Esau, who was Kfir Surah, Tachas Kedusha, to, subdue, to uh, subdue evil under Kedusha. That's the job of Esau, which, as I mentioned, is also the job of the Mashiach ben Yosef. So, since Esau quit, so to speak, Yaakov <clears throat> doubled up. So it's amazing that one man now had two jobs in terms of the Tikkun process. You see, very important idea, which is unknown to so many people, any case, therefore, once Yaakov took over the job of Esau, then he had to go into the Sadeh. Because that's what it means. You have to go into the Tumor, what's called the Klippa. You have to go into the evil domain of the world and withstand and remain righteous. You see, and that would somehow overthrow or take back all the Yuniko, which is the sparks of holiness from the Sultan, and further advance the Tikkun process. And that's why it says, and Yaakov left Beersheba, and he went to Kharn. You see, so what happened in Beersheba, where he received the blessings, that was the cause of him having to go to Beersheba. And that's why leaving Beersheba and going to Kharn is in the same posuk. Because it could have just said, and Yaakov went to Choron. Why mention Beersheba? To tell us that Beersheba, what happened in Beersheba, is the reason why he had to go to Choron. And that is, he took the job of Esau, you see. And who is the evil? Lovan, right? He went to the house of Lovan. Because Lovan was really a very evil person. You know, some people even say that he was Bilam, whatever or the grandfather of Bilaam, or whatever. Uh, Beloved was a real character, you see. And uh, we know that uh, 
you know, Yaakov suffered tremendously under Lovan. He deceived him with his wife, Rochel, and with Leah, then Rochel, and he, he deceived him. Even Yaakov says, you changed my wages so many different times. You know, you gave me all the bad sheep, everything. You know, who wants to even enumerate all the, the terrible uh, things that Lovan did. It's a tremendous deceiver, you know, just like Esau, where he would fool you. He was a, he was a uh, scandal artist, con, conman, you know, one of the originals, as they say, you know. In any case, now, once Yaakov had to take over the job of Esau, right, and then guess what? You see, you have to marry Esau's consort. What does that mean? Well, we know that Rocha was supposed to be his wife. So that's fine. That's why, you know, Yaakov wanted to marry Rocha. Because Rocha was his consort. What does that mean? Because every person who has a mission, has a, every woman that has a mission, has a husband that has the mission also, and therefore they form what's called a team. Because that's what God did. Zoho in the cave of Borom. God created them male and female. Uh, what that means, it's not like, it's not two different people with two different missions. No. They have two different aspects of one mission. That's fundamentally the secret of a marriage. And God decided that it shouldn't be only, the mission should not be only with one person, but it has to be with two people. And they both live together as man and wife, you see? Uh, so therefore, Rochel also had the job of Yaakov Avinu. Now what was Yaakov Avinu's job? Yaakov Avinu's job, we know, was his pastor's kedusha, to bring down holiness. And that's why he was in the tent learning Torah all the time, you see. <clears throat> so therefore, Rochel was his consort, was his opposite in the sense that she was part of his team. She obviously had to marry her. Now, if Asa was an of, wouldn't that indicate that he also would have to have a woman that could be his partner, part of his team? Of course. Who is that? And that was Leah, you see. So Leah really was destined to be married to Asa, right? And Rachel, of course, is destined to marry Yaakov. But when, when uh, Asa became a Russia, very evil, terrible, Leah found out about that. And Leah somehow knew that the husband that she was supposed to have would be Asa. And people were saying, ah, Rocha will marry Yaakov and Leah will marry Asa. But Leah, who is an incredibly righteous woman, was unbelievably perturbed. I mean, her future husband, right, the one that she was supposed to be with, to do the mission of Kfir Surah, right, subdue evil, right, her future husband was an unbelievable Russia. So what she did is she cried. And the Torah reveals that by saying that Leah's eyes, you know, were sort of like weepy, whatever, because she cried an enormous amount because she felt being destined to marry yeah, uh, Esau is terrible, you see. <clears throat> see what should have been, you see. But what happened? Yaakov comes, and of course he meets Rachel, 
and immediately it says that Yaakov loved Rachel, right, and so on. Fine, that makes sense. And then, of course, he makes a deal with Lovan uh, that he wants to marry Rachel. So he agreed to seven years, right, whatever, to work for Lovan to marry uh, Rachel for seven years, right? So, of course, Rachel being the uh, the, the uh, original con man, uh, he doesn't want just that. He wants to con Yaakov into working for him double, right? So what does he do? He get, he, when he, during the wedding of Yaakov and Rochel, he switches Rochel for Leah. And he puts a veil on her so Yaakov does not see really who it is, right? And Yaakov winds up marrying who? Leah, you see? Which is incredible. Now, why did that happen? Why did the Rabbanism allow that to happen? You see, where Yaakov would be deceived and he would marry Leah instead of Rachel because of the deception of Lovell. Because Yaakov had to marry Leah. Since he took over the job of Esau, Fiasura, he would have to marry the consort or the woman that Esau would have to marry, who's Leah. So really, Yaakov had to marry Leah because she was the appropriate wife of a man that was in the whole concept, mission, of Tikkun, of the Kafir Sarat, to subjugate, subdue evil, you see? <clears throat> so that was destined. <clears throat> Once he took over the job of Esau, right, then he would have to marry Leah, you see? But, so therefore, <clears throat> the Roshima allowed this to transpire where he would marry Leah, which when you think about it, is an amazing idea. Because Leah would have helped Esau do the Tikkun, and now she will help Yaakov also do the Tikkun, you see? But this presents to us a very difficult problem. What is the problem? If Leah, right, was supposed to be the wife of Esau, so the mission of Esau, or his Tikkun part, Right was to deal with evil. So therefore, Leah's part was to deal with evil. So if that's true, then why would Leah have Yehuda? Because Yehuda is in the work of Mashiach ben David, which is really his pastor's kedusha to bring down holiness, not to fight evil. So why is Leah having Yehuda? Leah should have given birth to Yosef. Instead, we find that Leah has Yehuda, who is the Mashiach ben David's forerunner, right? <clears throat> and that's what she has. And Rachel has who? Has, uh, has, uh, uh, Rachel has uh, Yosef, who is the forerunner of Mashiach ben Yosef. There's a switch here. So we don't understand. How did that happen? You see? <clears throat> so that's a very powerful question. So it comes out that Leah now has the job, or she becomes the consort of Yaakov, and Rachel, right, becomes the consort of Esau, who is now, was now taken over by Yaakov. How do we resolve this, this real big problem? Because it seems like the job of Rachel switched from being appropriate to Yaakov 
Instead, she now becomes appropriate to Esau. And the answer to this, which was really very interesting, you know, I really searched for this because it was a tremendous uh, paradox. And the one who seems to deal with this, although he doesn't say it openly, is the great commentator, the Or HaChayim HaKodesh. He says something which is incredible. He is what he says. What did Yaakov do? He married Leah. Of course, the whole thing was a deceit, right? So after the marriage, when they go to live with each other, right? That's what happens after the marriage, right? <clears throat> a tzaddik doesn't just live with his wife. He has a tremendous kavona that this is to fulfill the mission, whatever his mission is, right? To bring cover to God. Tremendous amount of kavona. So the question, what was the kavona of Yaakov when he was living with Leah? Well, he, was thought, he thought he was marrying Rachel. So while living with Leah, he's actually thinking about, right, fulfilling the mission of Rachel, right? What was the mission of Rachel? To be his consort, to be his wife, in terms of bringing down Kedusha, which is the Mashiach ben David. Instead, all right, that wasn't Leah's original job. So because he's having this incredible kavona, and it's the kavona of Yaakov Avinu, which is an unbelievable kavona, Tzitkus, who knows how much Kabbalistic concepts are going on here, and so on, you see? His intent, he thinks this woman is Rachel. So what he did is he, in some way, changed the job of Leah. So instead of Leah doing the job of Kfir Surah, which is Mashiach ben Yosef, he gives into Leah the job of Yaakov, which is his pastor's Kedusha, to bring down holiness, which is the job of Mashiach ben David. Therefore, Leah now becomes a different type of woman. She now can give birth to Yehuda, who's in the context, right, the whole idea of Mashiach ben David. It's astounding what happened. So because of uh, uh, Yaakov's kavona, Leah now had a different job, you see. So Leah has now the job of bringing down Mashiach ben David, the shirish of the neshom of the Mashiach ben David. Who is that? That's Yehuda. Because we know that Mashiach comes from Yehuda, right? Because he thought that Leah was Rachel. And therefore Rachel's job now became Fiyasarah right? Which is the Mashiach ben Yosef. So therefore, her mission changes, you see? So she now gives birth to Yosef and Binyamin, and they are into dealing with evil, you see? When you think about it, it's an incredible ability of a tzaddik to change the mission of a person by their kavona, you see? It's interesting. And the, and the Orachim HaKodesh <clears throat> alludes to this by bringing this concept, you see. So the consequences are absolutely unbelievable, you see. So now Rochel has the job, the original job of Leah, and Leah has the original job of Rochel, you see. That's what happened. Fascinating. In any case, <clears throat> now Yaakov now must leave Right? He has to leave the house, the Be'er Sheva, which is the house of Yitzchak. 
he now has to go into the field, uh, into the world. He becomes the Ishtar because he now has to do the job of Esav. You see? So not only does he have his own job, which is Kedusha, Mashiach ben David, he now has to do the job of Esav, and therefore he has to do what Esav did, go actually into the Tumor, you see, uh, which he would find <clears throat> an adequate amount, right, in the house of Lovin, which is interesting, you see. Okay. So it comes out that he therefore went to the house of Lovin. But there's something interesting, and, that, and therefore he struggled for 22 years in the house of Lovin. And Lovin tried to deceive him. And not only that, the house of Lovin was filled with evil, because Lovin was also was a tremendous sorcerer. Kishof, Tumor, all that kind of magic, all that kind of stuff was Lovin's expertise. And he had to deal with this. Besides, Lovin was a terrible boss. He tried to deceive him so many different ways that Yaakov himself says, when he's about to leave Lovin after so many years, right? <clears throat> so many years, whatever, 14 years, because he worked for seven years for one and seven years for the other. So he's about to leave for what? For uh, 14 years. Trying to deceive him so many different times. Any case. So therefore... Many, many years pass, right? Uh, and, and so on. So at least 20 years pass. And so on. Now, here's the problem. We now encounter a very difficult problem, which changes history. What is the problem? <clears throat> because in order for a person to do his mission, he has to develop a certain type of temperament, character. We saw that by Yaakov and Esau when they were born. That Yaakov had a tendency to go to the, you know, Beis Hamikdash or Beis Medrash, whatever. So he, he, as an embryo, his temperament, he already had it rooted in his neshama that he would be attracted to Kedusha, holiness. Uh, Esau, of course, his job was to dis- defy evil, conquer it and destroy it. So he had a temperament, I mentioned, right? He was inclined toward evil. So he would try to break out whenever they passed some type of avidizara. Uh, but as I mentioned, this was only a temperament. It wasn't a real <coughs> personality issue. Uh, you see, but temperament is inborn. Personality is learned. In any case, so this is what happened. So therefore, Yaakov's original temperament, we know, was what's called Emerson Shekhar. Yaakov was a tremendous honest person. He avoided tremendous amount of falsehood. Like it says in the Pusik, Titan Emes Yaakov. You know, you have given truth to Yaakov. So Yaakov's major, te- you know, there's certain, when you see them, there's certain kids that are tremendously drawn to truth or goodness, holiness, and so on. And that was Yaakov's Mida. Now, in order for him to do his mission. Now, Esau's temperament was different. Esau had a tremendous tendency to what? To gaiva and taiva. You see? That's what he had to fight. Uh, so he could subdue the sultan, right? By not being a bargaiva, right? Being an onuf, and not being a taiva, being a porush. 
That was his temperament, you see. <clears throat> but Yaakov remained with his temperament. So therefore, really, you think about it, a person cannot do two jobs permanently because his personality is such where the job of MS remains, uh, but he didn't really have the taiva and the gaiva, you know, of Esav. So the job of taking over, right, of the job of taking over Esav, it can only be temporary because he's not tested in that area, you see. Whereas Esav was tested in the area of gaiva and taiva, you see. Therefore, we already know that Yaakov cannot last. He can't last. He doesn't have the temperament the way Esau's temperament was. And therefore, he can't really do the job of Esau. <clears throat> so what's he going to do? Or what does the Rabban Shalom do? Is a better question. And therefore, what the Rabban Shalom does is something really amazing. Yaakov needs an associate. He needs somebody else to take over half the job of Esau. He already did the half the job. But he needs somebody to take over half the job of Esau. Somebody who will have a tendency toward Gaiva and Taiva. Uh, you see, he needs, he needs an associate. He needs a helper. Somebody could take over that job. But there is nobody really who can do that. Because Yaakov, he's an of, will have Shvatim. But what the Bansham needs is somebody who has the Nisham of an Av to destroy the Satan. He can do the job of Esav, but he has to be an Av, you see. Because only that level of Nishama could destroy the Satan. But there is nobody like that. So therefore Yaakov remains with Lovin. Finally, somebody arrives. Who is that? You're safe. What the Mershom does is an incredible thing. He gives Yaakov Yosef, right? And Yosef is a Chatsi of, right? Yosef was not a Shevet. He was really, right, a half of an of, you see. Yosef was much greater in his Shema than the other Shvatim. Because half of him, whatever that means in terms of the Shema, was the Shema of an of. You see, it was a chatzi of. And therefore we now understand why Yosef could have shvatim. Because Yosef had Menashe and Ephraim. Now those are shvatim. A shevet cannot give birth to a shevet, right? He has to be an of. He has to be on the neshama level of an of. So a, uh, a shevet, which is on the level of the neshama of a shevet, cannot have another shevet. You see, he would have somebody that's lower in Kedusha the Neshama would be lower in Kedusha, you see. Uh, so what happens is, the Roshim makes Yosef a Chatziov. Amazing. Where do we see this? In the Torah. That Yosef is now going to fulfill the other half of the job of Esav, right? He is going to take over the job of what? Of Esav. That's the secret of Yosef's Mission, which we will now understand. Because it says in the Torah, Vayhi, and it was, Kashi Yolad, right, Rochel. When Rochel gave birth, right, to Yosef, all of a sudden, Yaakov Avino goes over to Lovin and says, you know, 
I work for you enough. I want to go home. Why then? Why, why did he say that? Why did he want to leave Lovin? When Yosef was born, right? So Rashi says that, you see? Because he now found somebody, he knew that the Nisham of Yosef is half as great as a patriarch. Oh, so Yosef can now do the job of Esau. And he can go back to his former job. In fact, Yaakov Avinu hints it. Because Yaakov says to Lovin, I want to go back, El Mekoimi, to my place, Viel Artsi, and to my land. Right? Which, of course, means basically Eretz Israel. Why does it say El Mekoimi and Viel Artsi, to my place and to my land? It should just say, El Artsi, I want to go back to Eretz Israel, where, right, I have my family and all that. Yitzchak and all that. What is Mekoimi? Oh, so Mekoimi says, I want to go back, Mekoimi, to my place in the Tikkun process. What was that? His Pashtas Kedusha, in the concept of Mashiach ben David, and also Eretz Yisrael. So Yaakov actually alludes to that, that he wants to go back to his Mekoimi, his place. His place in what? His place in the Tikkun process, which is the work of Mashiach ben David, which is his... Hispashtas Kedusha. Isn't that amazing? In fact, Rashi says that Yaakov recognized, because there's a postic in the Novi, right? For Hoya base Yaakov Leish, and it will be that the house of Jacob, Yaakov, will be for a fire, right? Ubeis Yosef Lahova, and the house of Yosef will be the flame of that fire, and the consequence will be Ubeis Ace of the Kash. Right? And the house of Esau will be straw. Right? Stubble. Straw. So that Pesach indicates that it takes Yaakov and Yosef to reduce Esau's job or to reduce Esau to straw, which means that they both are needed to do the job of Esau. You see? Rashi says this. So this is the incredible resolution. You see? that he is now going to do, Yosef will now take over the other half of the job of Yaakov and therefore allow Yaakov to return to the, his place in Kedusha. It's amazing when you think about that this whole story is about the spiritual mission uh, <clears throat> more so than it is about the events of being in the house of Lovan, you see. So we now understand that Yaakov is going to return the Koimi, to his place in Kedusha, which is his place in the Tikkun process, right? Which is, we know, the work of the Mashiach ben David. And Yosef will continue the work of Mashiach ben Yosef. Uh, you see. And therefore, that's why Yosef had a tendency, as you will see, of Gaiva and Taiva, as we will see. You see? So, the Rabbanshim solved the problem by elevating a Shevet to be half of an of, which is amazing. And that's why Yosef is so holy, because he wasn't just a shevet. He was actually basically on the level of Yaakov Avino. <clears throat> you see, this is what we know so far. And that's why Yosef, I'm going I'm, I'm to say what I'm going to say in the future, <clears throat> therefore, since Yosef took over the job of Esau, right, he had to go into the 
klipa, into the Ra. What was that? Egypt. You see? That means Yosef was destined also to go into the Sadr. That means he had to go into the Tumor and remain righteous. Why? Because he took over the job of Esav. You see? Now it begins to all fall into place. <clears throat> so Yosef was destined to go to Egypt. And the whole concept of the kidnapping, which I will explain, right, was because he took over the job of Esau from Yaakov Avinu. You see, and it answers so many different questions. And therefore we know that the history of Yosef, ultimately, that he has destined to go into the Tumor, the Golos of Mitzrayim, which I will talk about later on. Anyways, so what happens next? Well, uh, he's now leaving Lovin, right? And of course, Lovin doesn't want him to leave, right? He wants free labor, whatever, you see? Anyway, so uh, uh, Yaakov Avinu flees, whatever, with everybody, and he's going to meet Esau. All of a sudden, he finds out that what? That Esau is coming to meet him with 400 guys. It's incredible. Because Esau's intent is to kill him. Revenge for the fact that Yaakov stole the blessings of Esau, which were tremendous material blessings. And I spoke about that in the last year, what these blessings, brachas, meant to Esau. <clears throat> so he's now about to meet Esau, right? But it's strange because it says, Vayira Yaakov mi'oid. And Yaakov was tremendously afraid why? What was he afraid of? You see, a person is afraid of another person. You know why? Because God is the one who decides who the victor is. But here's the problem. Esau was one of the greatest people <clears throat> to observe the mitzvah of Kibbutz of Aim. You see? And Yaakov knew that he was deficient. Why? <clears throat> because Esau served his father. Esau lived in Eretz Yisrael, right? And he served his father. He fulfilled Kibbut over Aim, honoring your father and mother, with tremendous devotion, which as I mentioned last week, you see. <clears throat> Whereas Yaakov did not have that level of the mitzvah of honoring father and mother. Because Yaakov, not that he did bad against them, but he wasn't around to do the mitzvah, you see, because he was in the house of Lovin. For 20 years. You see? Because what do we have? Right? He worked for Lovin for what? For 14 years, seven for Rochel, seven for Leah, right? Whatever. And then he was there for six years, tending sheep, of which he now accumulated a huge flock. And then it took two years to get back to Israel. So he missed his father for 22 years he did not honor his father and mother. Not that he dishonored them. That's not the problem. But he didn't have the level of holiness that comes from Kibbutz over Aim. 22 years worth. That was frightening. Uh, so Yaakov Avinu is going to meet Esau, right? And he's afraid Esau will kill him. Why? Because the mitzvah of Kibbutz over Aim, right, is so great that Esau will subdue Yaakov Right in Kedusha, and they have the merit of killing Yaakov. You see? Because Esau can now claim, what do you mean? 
I have the mitzvah of kibbutz of aim. You don't have that. You were gone for 22 years. And therefore, that would enable the makatreg, the sutton, right, to say, why should Yaakov <clears throat> survive? Esav has an unbelievable mitzvah, right? So we have to do the will of Esav. Well, Esav wants to kill Yaakov, too bad. So that's why Vayira Yaakov mi'oid. Yaakov was incredibly afraid because of the mitzvah of Kibbut Av. And the truth is that the Targum says this. Mishim yukro diavuha, he says, because of the incredible honor of serving your father. Uh, you see, which when you think about it, that's what you're afraid of. You see? But in any case, Yaakov has no choice. He has to meet Esau. But this will remain with him. In fact, the fact that Esau has this incredible mitzvah has always been a tremendous burden for Klai Yisrael to overcome, you see. But in any case, so Yaakov is doing what? He's now going to meet Esau, you see. Now Yaakov, therefore, is going to try to convince Esau not to kill him. He and his wife and his kids and so on, right? <clears throat> so Yaakov Avinu has, has different strategies. You know, one of them is to separate the different children, you know, uh, Leah, Rochel, the wives, and then the children that have different sections that will meet Esau. So if Esau attacks one, the other ones can escape. And then he sends them gifts, right? And then he tries to negotiate. But look what the negotiation is. It's very interesting. You know, he's going to try to negotiate with Esau not to kill him or to harm him in any way. So here's the argument that Yaakov offers, right? Yeshli, I have, shore, an ox, the chamor, a donkey, means I have tremendous amount of cattle, and I have tremendous amount of donkeys, because wealth in those days was measured, right, by flocks and herds. That was the real wealth. It was basically agriculture and, and, and animals, right? There was no industry, right? And then he says, I have tzoyin, I have sheep, right? And then he says, in Lovin Garti, I lived with Lovin, right? So what these really, these four things, or rather Shor, Chamor, and Tzoyin, they allude to what? What he's really saying is this. In other words, I lived with Garten, uh, with uh, Lovin, right? And I survived and so on, Right? So Rashi says that the word Garti is really Taryag. The same letters. Garti is Taryag. So Yaakov says, and I observed the 613 commandments. And therefore, look at all the possessions that I have. And I observed all the commandments. Right? You didn't. So I therefore am entitled, right, to the first, to the blessings of Yitzchak. Now that's very strange. You see? <clears throat> Why is he saying Garti? You know, I have done this 613 mitzvahs. You think that Esav cares? I mean, Esav is a mafia guy, right? Somebody in Russia kills people, takes their wives and so on. So you think he cares if Yaakov did mitzvahs? So why is Yaakov trying to convince Esav about the mitzvahs? And the answer is very interesting. Uh, because what Yaakov is saying, look, my jo- I took over your job. That's really what the brochas were. They weren't just material wealth. 
you see. They were to give me the ability to subdue evil, you see. And the way you do that is by doing the mitzvahs, you see. So therefore, don't be angry at me. I didn't take over your job. I didn't take the blessings for wealth. I took it to do the tikkun process that you should have done, which is kfir sarah, which is to subdue evil by doing the mitzvahs. You see, uh, so that's what Yaakov is trying to say. Because the essential idea why Yaakov took the job wasn't to gain wealth. He wasn't interested in wealth. What Yaakov wanted to do was to remain righteous, even in an evil environment. And that would have meant doing the mitzvahs. So that's what he was trying to convince Esau. That my motive wasn't to take away wealth from you, right? My motive was to take over your spiritual job, which you are not doing. And you are not even interested in this. So don't be angry with me. You see, it's not what you think. See, that's the logic of this. And look what I accomplished, right? By doing the mitzvahs, I have, because I have what? Shore. What's a shore? An ox. I have the ox is a symbol of Mashiach ben Yosef. And I have Hamor, right? We know that Mashiach ben David, right, rides a donkey into Yushalayim. So I have the neshama, I have the root soul of Mashiach ben Yosef, sure. And I have the root soul of Mashiach ben David, you see. And then I have Tzayin, I have Klai Yisrael. That's proof that I did the Tikkun. Because if I didn't do the Tikkun, I could never have that. Uh, you see? <clears throat> so he's trying to prove to Esau <clears throat> that the whole motive was spiritual. Not jealousy to take over wealth, but it was a spiritual quest which I succeeded because I actually brought down the, the, the preeminent souls <clears throat> of who? Of Mashiach ben Yosef. Because I have Yosef, my Shevet, my son. And I have Mashiach ben David, right? Yehuda. You see? That's what, that's what Yaakov is really saying to Esau. And now we understand exactly what he's really saying. You see? And that's the logic. Fine. So now what happens? Uh, 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 he goes further. And all of a sudden he, he writes. So before he meets Esau, after offering the arguments and so on, and of course I'm interpreting the arguments in a different way, uh, according to the covert story, <coughs> Right? It says that he went back to get some jaws. And then there's a mysterious event which is Vayeovik Ishimoy. Yaakov fought some guy, somebody, right? When he went back. What is this story? I mean, when you read it, it's incredible. When he goes back to get some vessels that he forgot, and all of a sudden he find he's fighting somebody, what is happening? This is a very mystical story, but it has profound implication for the whole theme that I am saying, you see. <clears throat> so I will tell you what it is. Very profound story. Here was the problem. The problem was, is that even though Yaakov took over the job of Esau, he was never subjected to the intensity of the Yetzirah horror of Esau. That was lacking. 
I mean, obviously he had a tremendous it's a horror, but he didn't. He wasn't tied to the root of the sotan. So therefore, he never experienced an unbelievable temptation that would come from the sotan himself. Didn't do that. But he didn't finish the job. That means if you do not experience the Itzahara, the intensity of the sotan, that you have not finished the mission, right, of subduing evil. <clears throat> so this is the mission, which is very interesting. So Rashi says that who did he fight? He fought the Satan, Sarish Esav. He fought the angel of Esav. Now we know why is the Satan the angel of Esav? Because Esav, in order to subdue the Satan, had to be connected to the root of evil. So Esav, who's an of, is one root of Kedusha. He's connected to the root of evil, which is the Satan. So if Esav does the mitzvahs, the Satan will die. <clears throat> you see. So therefore, Yaakov now has to fight the temptations of the Satan himself, you see, which is incredibly difficult, you see. It's almost like an obsession, you see. <clears throat> so what happened is the following, which is interesting. So Rashi says that Ish is the Satan, and he fought with a man. Now, we know the Satan is a malach, so a malach can be outside your body, but the main manifestation of the satan is inside your mind, as the Eitzahara. That's where the satan resides, right? In the sense that he resides in your mind. So therefore, Yahweh fought with the satan, true, but the satan as he manifests himself as an ish, which is in your mind, you see. So we now encounter... <clears throat> that Yaakov is now fighting the intensity of the Satan himself. But we know that the Midah of Yaakov, the measure, the characteristic of Yaakov, isn't like Ace of Gaivan, Taiva, right? And so on, in, in that sense. Right? We know that his Midah is MS. But here's the problem, which the Medrash talks about. When Yaakov left Lovin, he had done an unbelievable accomplishment. You see, what was the accomplishment? He actually subdued the Sutton because of his incredible righteousness. You see, <clears throat> and here's the problem. He said, it says that after he left Lovin, he built a Mizbeach, and he called it Kael Elokei Kael Elokei Hashem, right? And the Medrash says that Yaakov Avinu was referring to himself. He referred to himself as a god. Why? Because he did an unbelievable job. That meant that Yaakov Avinu now experienced an incredible desire to feel good about himself. Arrogance, right? You see, he felt in a certain sense, at his level, arrogant. And therefore he actually referred to himself as Kale. And the Medrash says that was not right. Because he's giving himself far more credit than God. And therefore, he referred to himself in a way which is divine. Why? Because like I said before, when he said to Esau, you see what I have? I have Shaw, 
I brought down the Mashiach ben Yosef's neshama. And Hamor, I brought down Mashiach ben David's neshama. Tzoyin, I brought down the whole Klai Yisrael. You see, could you imagine the Tzitkos? Could you imagine the victory that I did? So what he did is he experienced, he was open to experience, right, a certain amount of arrogance. I don't know if I would use the word arrogance, but a certain amount of, uh, that he, uh, he uh, uh, took credit much more than he deserved. And that was illustrated by when he built the base Amigdash, right, that he called himself a god. That left him open, right, to a vulnerability. So that's where the Yetzirah attacked him. What Yaakov was doing, all of a sudden he had this incredible thought. Wow, I'm fabulous. Do you realize what the accomplishment is? To bring down the Neshama, the root soul of Ben Yosef and Ben David, and the root souls of the Jewish people? Do you realize who I am? And apparently, at Yaakov's level, of course, you know, he got, got carried away. And that's what the Medrash says, that he should not have said that. Named him as Be'ach, after himself. Uh, you see. So what does this mean? That all of a sudden he left himself open for some type of a tendency, you see. But then he experienced the full brunt of the temptation of the Yetzirah. So he now felt tremendous feeling of gaiva, which means, wow, do you know who I am? I mean, obviously we're talking at the level of Yaakov. You know, we're not talking about a guy who walked around saying, you know, with a big swell head. No. But at his level, it was wrong. We see that from the Medrash. And the one who indicates this is the Sipuno, where he says that he spent the whole night, right, being attached to the oneness of God. What's that supposed to mean? Because he had a tremendous Yetzirah to think of himself, in a certain sense, as an equal of God. Not literally, but in a certain level. Because with his free will, he did this incredible accomplishment. I mean, think about that. Do you know what it is to be in the house of Lovan, right? For 20 years, right? Experiencing the unbelievable sheker and the sorcery, whatever, of Lovan. Anybody would fall, right? Because uh, Lovan was an incredible deceiver. Yet not only he didn't fall, right? But he remained unbelievably righteous. So we can understand why he took credit for himself. He felt a little, you know, uh, very proud and so on. <clears throat> so therefore, he spent the whole night trying to remove the feeling, right, of, of hubris. That's what he did. And that's what the Sipurna means. So he found himself the whole night trying to attach to the Yichod, the oneness of God, that God is everything, not me. You see? It's an incredible concept that the Sipurna says. So it comes out that by Yehovik Ish Imoy and a man fought with him, that man was the Sutton, number one, right? And he was giving the intensity of that Yetzirah to Yaakov, who now had to experience that because he now had to complete the job of Esav, who experiences the intensity of the Sutton, right? And therefore, what is that? Based on his Midah, right, of, uh, of Anivas, Gaiva, well, he's taking too much credit for that. And he left himself open by naming him as Be'ach, 
basically after himself, which he should not have done. That's what the Medrash says. That was wrong. In any case, we now realize that this was the, basically the last test of Yaakov in his job of doing what Esav does. And that is to beat the Eitzahara, the intensity of the temptation of the Eitzahara himself, you see. <clears throat> and he did it. He won. So when the day break, the, the Sutton said, you know, leave me because I have to go. You see? So therefore what Yaakov Avinu said to him, bless me, you know. Now why would he ask him to bless him? You know, okay, you won the temptation. Why would he ask the Sutton to bless him, right? Because he wanted the Sutton, who was the angel of Esau, to admit that he completed the job of Esau, his mission, the mission of Esau, that he was assigned so he wanted the admission from the angel himself, the Yitzhahara, the Satan himself, you see? And that would have been incredible, you know, cre- a credit to Yaakov Avinu. Well, the Malach who put him into that temptation admits that Yaakov won, you see? And that's why he told him, bless me. So what does the Satan do? Why didn't the Satan bless him? He didn't. He changed his name. To Yisrael. Why? Because that was the admission that Yaakov wanted. The Sutton said to Yaakov, right, your name will no longer be Yaakov, it'll be Yisrael. Why? Kisoriso, because you have fought with people, men, people, who are evil, namely Esau and Lovin, and you won. Why is he giving him that when Yaakov asked him for a blessing? Right? And the answer is because Yaakov wasn't interested in the blessing. Yaakov was interested in the admission of the Satan himself, who was the instrument of the tremendous temptation that Yaakov now completed the job of Esau. You see how it all fits? That was what the Ve'yeovek Ishimoy. It's an astounding concept, you see, where this is the final job of Yaakov in his mission of doing, right, what Esau was supposed to do, Kfir Sarah. So he fights the whole night with the, 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 uh, with the incredible temptation to feel hubris, you see? And he fights to maintain his anivus, his humility, you see? Because he realized he can't, he must have humility. He, he can't take the credit in the sense that, uh, you know, he's a god, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> or whatever, that he has divinity at whatever level. So that's what he, why he asked the Sutton the blessing, because he wanted the admission by the Sutton himself, right? Because the Sutton is the one who destroyed Esau. Think about that. Esau was tied to the Sutton, right, to destroy him. But the Sutton won, because somehow he gave him such temptations that Esau did not withhold, withstand the temptations. He could have, as I pointed out, you know, uh, last week or two weeks ago. <clears throat> so therefore, the admission by the Sutton that he won the job, he actually performed the job of Esau was an incredible goal of Yaakov. And the Sutton admitted, you won. And therefore, your name will no longer be Yaakov, which means to, you know, uh, in a certain say, to Yaakov, to deceive. Your name will be Yisrael because you actually did the job. 
won over two people, tremendously evil people. You lived with Esau and remained righteous, and you lived with Lovin for 20 years, and you remained righteous. You see? And that is why it says, uh, so anyway, he meets Esau, right? And then it says, Vayovi Yaakov Sholem. And Yaakov was now complete. What does that mean? What do you mean complete? So Pashtus we learned that he had possessions and so on. But what it really means is that he actually fulfilled and completed the job of Esau. So the Torah says, Sholem, he was actually complete. You see? I mean, imagine what it is to get the Sultan, right? Chief of all evil, to admit that you are righteous and that you won. You actually did the job of Esau. Wow. What an admission. And that's what happened in that story. The only problem was uh, is, <clears throat> is that, well, the Sultan was able to hit him in his hip and damage. So he did limp for a while, you see. So that's an interesting concept, uh, and so on. But in any case, the main idea is that Yaakov completed the job of Esau, and now the job of Esau would now go to Yosef. So we are now up to who? That Yaakov is now about to meet Esau, which is a tremendously important event, which I will continue. Uh, but not next week, because next week is a week before Hanukkah, but I will continue that. Any questions? So if Rachel took over the job of subduing the evil, her main job was just basically to bring down Yosef, that's it? Who, Rachel? Yes, now it is. And that's why she that's gave birth to Yosef and Benjamin. I'm saying, but that's it? She didn't have any other... The, for Leah also, like their their jobs are just to bring down the souls, and then that's it. Well, their job is to give birth to the Shvatim. Right. They ha- they have to complete the Jewish people, and that require not only comp- not only br- not only bring the neshamas down of the Yudbe Shvatim, but to raise them, right? To raise them to be tzaddikim. That's a tremendous job to raise no, twelve kids. You know? As the job of, of um, from what we were talking about with subduing the evil, bringing down the Kedusha. So what, those, what exactly is your question? In those terms, from subdu- let's say for Rachel, she had to subdue evil, right? That was a, she was a part of that mission with Yaakov, right? That, that right, so therefore she had to bring down the chief Neshama, which is Mashiach ben Yosef, who was Yosef. Right. So that, that, that was, therefore she had to bring him down. Was that? Her way of subduing evil? Yes. Because she was, she was on the, t- let's put it this way, she was on the evil subduing team. And in her case, it manifested, or bringing the neshama, it's called the Yesoid, the foundational neshama of Mashiach ben Yosef, who is Yosef Atzadik. And by the way, Mashiach ben Yosef, right? Do you know that he has, he's a shurish of, Mashiach ben Yosef, his neshama is accompanied by the Yisoid, by Yosef HaTzadik himself. Yosef HaTzadik himself, his neshama attaches to the Mashiach ben Yosef, you see. And the Mashiach ben Yosef himself is a spark 
from that Yisoid. You see? But the foundation is Shama of the, of the ability to uh, subdue evil is the Shama of Yosef. So she had to bring it down with her righteousness, right? I mean, whatever that was, whatever the Avoida was, right? And to train him, to raise him, you see. And Leah did that for Yehuda. You see. Right. Right. It's an interesting story, isn't it? It's almost like it's a story, the covert story almost has nothing to do with the overt story. But it really does because it's the events of the real of the story itself that really that and what underlies it is the hidden spiritual struggle that is going on to do the tikkun. That's why really it's an amazing event, the story of Yaakov and Esav, which is worthwhile studying, because the truth is the whole Torah is filled with this type of stories, where the real struggle is spiritual, even though they take place in physical events. So I have a question. You see? Yeah. Usually, usually in the stories of the Torah, any time they were trying to bring out the spark of Mashiach ben Yosef, or, um, it usually is hidden in uh, places where the Satan wouldn't expect it, like the example of Lot with his daughter, or Ruth, that she was a Moabi, and that was the, the you know, Mashiach. Right, right. So why was it so clear-cut in this story? Like, why, was it, why didn't the Satan <clears throat> protest this, in this story? Why was it so easily um, brought down? I'm not. What exactly are you asking? Usually, the way we brought down those neshamot were through over, like through like secret ways, so the satan wouldn't know. We were trying to be secretive about it and and trying to trick the satan in, and then that's how we brought out those those. We took out the klipah and we were able to bring out those neshamot. But in in the case of Usually, when we talk about Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David, but in this story, we didn't have to trick the Satan. We didn't have to do any of those <clears throat> tactics in order to bring down Yosef and Yehuda. Well, the truth is, when you think about it, there was a trick. Rachel. Rachel wasn't supposed to... Look, who's the enemy uh, of the Satan, really? Is it Mashiach ben David or Mashiach ben Yosef? Well, David killed him. Yosef fights him. But it's Yosef. Because Yosef is the one who subdues him. David finishes it off. He's, he ushers in the Messianic era. But the destruction of that era, right, uh, is initiated and mainly happens with Yosef. So he certainly doesn't want the Nisham of Mashiach and Yosef to come down. He certainly doesn't want that, right? So he didn't, he didn't expect Rachel to give rise to the Mishoma of Yosef. It only happened because Leah was, uh, was substituted, right, for Rachel. So it winds up that Rachel, who Yaakov really wanted, right, brings down the Mashiach ben Yosef, you see? So in the end, Yosef is the real killer, as we will see by Yosef himself in Egypt. He's the one who, you know, in many ways, tremendously harmed the Satan in Egypt. 
So that was a deception. So the neshama of Yosef was brought down, right, by Rachel. He didn't expect that, you know. He thought that maybe Leah would do it, right? And Leah was weak, right? Because Leah is not marrying Esav. So who's a partner, really? So Leah seems to be the weaker one, you see. Because, uh, you know, she, I say, she's the one crying because she doesn't want to marry Esav. So she's missing a partner, right? A team member, so to speak. So he's not worried too much about Leah. She'll never make it. You know? He didn't expect Yaakov to marry Leah. He thought that what would happen is Leah would remain with Lovon, right? And she'll somehow fall or fail to remain righteous. Because Esav is not around, right? And he didn't know that Yaakov is going to marry Leah. So where is she going to get her strength from? Right? Uh, so if Leah is supposed to bring down Yosef, what's the problem here? Right? That was the deception to the Sultan. Interesting, isn't it? Because he never thought that Leah would marry Yaakov. He didn't know this whole, you know, uh, cabal sort of. Like I say, Leah was tremendously depressed. That's one bad mark against her. The second thing is her father, right, is loving, right? And the, and the third thing is she doesn't have a partner to remain righteous. So he didn't think Leah is going to make it. Uh, so if Leah doesn't make it, bingo, there's no Mashiach bin Yosef. You see? So instead, what did Baruchem do? He made sure that not Leah would do it, Rahu would do it. You see? But the only way that that Rachel would be able to bring down Yosef is if Leah switched. You see? That's a complete deception. Do you understand what I said? Yep. Isn't that interesting? So it took a deception against the Sutton. The Basham concealed from the Sutton that Leah is not going to do it. Rachel is going to do it. You see? And Rachel will do it because she's married to Yaakov. And she didn't cry because she knew she was going to be married to Yaakov. Leah was the weak one, the vulnerable one. You see? So what the Bonsham did is amazing. He got Leah to marry Yaakov and Rachel to bear Yosef, which is the foundational neshama of Mashiach ben Yosef. You see? He didn't expect that because he figured he could write off Leah. She'll never do it. She won't remain righteous. But he didn't know that she's going to marry Yaakov. He thought, like I said, she's going to remain with, right, Lovon. And first of all, like I said, I'm repeating myself. She's going to be depressed, bad news. She's crying all the time. So she's, not, she's in no mood to be righteous. Because she has tremendous, she could have tremendous tarumas, complaints against God. You know, why do I have to remain with Lovon? My father. Where's Yasev, you know? Why am I stuck with this mazel? So she has complaints. Not that she had complaints, but she could have complaints. She had grounds for complaints, right? She's crying all the time, so she must be severely depressed. She has no husband. She's finished. 
the truth is Leah was finished. When you really think about it. And because had not Rachel, you know, contributed to the conspiracy, which she clearly did, the Medrash says, that she enabled Leah to marry Yaakov, which is incredible. And that's one of the reasons which I talked about, <clears throat> you know, I think in the Tishabov Shia, that's one of the reasons why Rachel, right, has the merit of being the redeemer of Israel, right? That's why. So it, it comes out that there was a major deception, that the Mashiach ben Yosef did come down, but not in Leah, which was the sudden thought, but the Mashiach ben Yosef came down in Rachel, who was strong because she knew she was going to marry Yaakov. She wasn't depressed, right? And she knew she was going to leave Lovan, right, and go with Yaakov. She would have a husband. You see? If you think about it, it's an incredible uh, act of deception that the Bansham did to the Sultan. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So now I have a question. Why throughout okay. the Torah we kept... Why what? Why throughout the Torah we kept going to Egypt? You know, Abraham went down to Egypt. Now, Yaakov, I mean, Yosef went down to Egypt. Everything, uh, and then as a class there, we all went down to Egypt. Why mm. are we... Why Egypt? Yes. Why Egypt? And the answer is because the Jews had to go to the nation that would be the firstborn of the Sultan. That means they had to go to the nation that would be the most evil of all. And therefore, the most evil nation would have taken all the tumor, all the pollution of the Sultan. Egypt was the most evil, defiled nation in the world. They were tremendously perverted sexually. In so many, they had the Zora, that sorcery. I mean, they, they re, and they, therefore they were, the, they were what's called the firstborn of the Sultan. The Jews have to go into that nation and remain righteous. Or suffer at the hands of Egypt. That's why Egypt is, is in many ways a pivotal nation for the avoid of Tikkun of the Jewish people. You see? That's why. So is Adam right now, you, you know... Yeah, right now the, right, the Bechor of the Sultan is Edom. Although if you remember what I, I spoke with Obama, that the Sultan is trying to make Ishmael the Bechor. But right now, the it's really it's really Edom and Yishmael together. That is the uh, equivalent of Egypt in those days. The equivalent now is Edom. Don't, don't you they see? Say that, don't they say that? What was that? Didn't, don't they say somewhere in uh, that at the end of time, uh, Yishmael and Esav are going to come together, and uh, yeah. And that's, come against Israel. That's why Esav married Yishmael's daughter. That was like also of a, a coming together. Right. Yes. Right. The Klippa, which means the evil of Esav and the evil of Yishmael, were joined. Isn't that what happened when America and uh, the Arabs with Arafat joined to dis- the Oslo Accords to destroy Israel? Do you remember that in 1993? Yeah. Who was that? That was the Oslo Accords that destroyed Israel because they legitimatized the argument of the Arabs that you do have a right in Israel. That's insane. That was the first time in history that Israel admitted 
that the Arabs have a claim on the land of Israel. And that's where the two-state solution came into being. But who did that? It was that crazy idiot, Clinton, right? And that, the Michigan Arafat. It was Clinton and Arafat that pushed the, and Rabin, who's the heir of Rav, right? All three, right? Edoim, Clinton, right? Arafat, Ishmael, and Rabin, who's the heir of Rav. All three ganged up on Israel, the Jewish people, to do something which was unheard of, to admit that the Arabs have a claim on Israel. So what that, the logical outcome of that, well, if that's the case, right, so let's do a two-state solution. Because even you admit that we have a claim. You see, that was a tremendous death blow to Israel. And if not the fact that God interceded, because Arafat kept killing Jews, right? Arafat is an idiot. He could have had the whole land of Israel, or half the land, just from that claim. And who is the one? Those three, right? Those are the three partners in the Gullahs now, right? You have Esau, Edom, America, right? On the Clinton. Then you had Arafat with the Yishmael, right? The evil of Yishmael. Then you had the heir of Rabin. They forced, like I said, the Oslo Accords in 1993, which to this day Israel is trying to shake off. And this Michigan America, Biden, crazy idiot, right? He's trying to get and blinking. These are, you can't believe the evil of these people. There's no such thing as two-state solution. Because ultimately what that will mean that the Arabs will destroy Israel. You can't live together with Hamas. <laughs> or Islamic Jihad, or Hezbollah. What, are they crazy? Because they're all lunatics. Because they don't care if Israel survives. It's astounding when you think about that. And Blinken is Jewish. You talk about an era of Rav, you know? And Clinton? Well, Clinton was it for the glory. Because he had to whitewash his reputation after Monica Lewinsky. He had to have some type of you know, uh, what he called uh, victory legally. He needed what's called a, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, he, he needed a, uh, so, some type of uh, uh, victory, yeah. So that would have been incredible if he would have brought peace to the Middle East, which he was trying to do. He didn't care about the fact that the Arabs are going to want to, would they want to wipe out Israel? Right? He's only interested in his glory. Right? In his what's called Yerusha, uh, you know, and so on. In any case, so that's what happened. There you are. All three ganged up on Israel in 1993. But thank God for Arafat. Why? Because Arafat, is a, Arafat is, a, is a lunatic. He could have had, you know how much property he could have walked away with? Because Rabin was going to settle. And then what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Uh, um, the one who took over after Rabin. In any case, he wanted to give them everything under the auspices of Clinton. But Arafat refused. Unbelievable. You see? It, all of this is Men Shemayim, where they try to destroy uh, the, the Jewish people. Right? 
This happens every single time. So now, if America is, you know, the war. America is what? If the America now is Edom, is the Bechor of Satan. Well, the, now it's different, slightly, because now you have the good part of Esau that is now coming to being from Trump. That's the difference. In the days of Clinton, it was all the evil of Esau. But now, Trump is the beginning of a redemption, because Esau has to do tshuva, which I'm going to talk about when I talk about what happened when Yaakov met Esau. You see. So there is a difference. It's no longer a singular country called Esau, you see. It is now not just Esau. It's the good part of Esau that is trying to, trying to win. But of course, what you're looking at now in terms of current events, what they're doing to Trump is unbelievable. It's, it's, it's impossible to understand. This has never happened to any president in history. <clears throat> you know, and even the Republican Party <clears throat> is turning against Trump. It's reverting back to the same odds. When Trump ran in 2016, nobody thought he would win. It was a miracle. Well, you're about, you know, it looks like you're about to watch the same miracle. Why? Because the Sutton must destroy the good part of Esau. Because the good part of Esau has to help the Jews do the tikkun. That's the Abraham Accords, you see. So you're watching the full satanic force against the good part of Esau, which is Trump. That's what we're watching. People don't realize what's going on. There's a war going on between Esau himself, the good and the bad part. You see, the good part of Esau is Trump, and the bad part of Esau, right, is Biden, the Democratic Party, and all the progressives. They want to destroy Trump. And Trump would bring, he would initiate a geula by furthering the Abraham Accords, which he started. You see? So you are watching, really, the end of time. This is what's predicted. You see, this is a monumental war going on. See, where the Sutton is trying to survive by destroying the good part of Esau, Trump. So it looks like he's doing a great job. When you think about it, this is exactly what happened in 2016. It would be interesting to see the repeat with Trump by a miracle will win. And it's very easy for that to happen because apparently this country is headed for a recession and it could even be a depression. Everybody's predicting it. You think people are going to vote for the Democratic Party if there's a tremendous recession and like 20% of the country has no jobs? Of course not. The Bresham laughs at all this. You know? And not only that, we're about to witness an incredible scandal. It already is happening with Twitter. That the, that the White, White House actually tried to talk Twitter into not publicizing the uh, Hunter Biden tape. You see? It's incredible. 
that, that, that scandal which is now happening can bring down Biden, the whole Democratic Party. But that's nothing compared to what will happen if they find that Hunter Biden gave money to uh, Biden. So not only Biden took money and therefore was completely compromised with an enemy of America, China. That's betrayal. In many ways, it's treason. But Biden apparently failed to report that, of course. He didn't want people to know. He failed to report the millions of dollars that he got from China on his tax return. That's a felony. Biden is in very, very hot water. And all of it is beginning now. You see? Uh, so, of course, Trump can win. So the, the Russian laughs at all this. You don't understand. People are foolish. They can't even see past their nose because they're not understanding what the divine plan is. That the Bosham wants to end this. Wants to end the vicious, the evil of mankind. Especially now, where I told you that Congress just passed the, the, uh, uh, the Marriage Act or law Right? That now legalizes the interpretation of the Supreme Court about the prohibition of sexual or marriage discrimination. It is now legal, according to federal law, to marry basically almost anybody you want. Homosexuality, all this is now protected by the law itself. Uh, it's terrible. You see? We don't even know in heaven how they're going to react to this. You know? Look, there has to come a time where the Rebellion would say, enough is enough. You guys are destroying my civilization. Not only sinning like Sedoim. You're destroying my civilization. You see? Because who knows what's going to happen to religious institutions or anything religious when they discriminate against you know, same gender marriage. Of course they're going to discriminate because it is forbidden. So who knows what that means and so on, what's going to happen to religious freedom. I mean, uh, what, you, what you're looking at now, and it just happened, I think, basically two weeks ago. This is a new level of chaos. It's a new level of sin. And therefore, it brings in a new level of divine destruction. You see? Anyway, that, that's what I uh, try to answer. Okay. So you understand and, why Egypt is always the country then? Anyway, what else? Hashem asked um, Mida Kenegad Bamida if he, everybody was always you know, talking all over the media about Trump being, you know, turning in his tax returns and the audits, but they never did that right. back to Biden. So that would be Mida's connected to Nimida. Very good point. Right, very good point. Right, they're all trying to, it's unbelievable, they're trying to find some crime against his tax returns. You know, I mean, this tax returns... You know, it's just unbelievable what they want from the guy. So wouldn't it be incredible if the downfall of Biden and the Democratic Party, because 
Biden refused to put the, Ill, the illegal gains that he made from China on his tax return, and that's a felony. Wouldn't that be measure for measure? Very good point, by the way. Really very good. And then maybe he would get impeached, and then that would be a double. It's more than impeached. They can impeach you for anything, right? But they cannot criminalize the impeachment. An impeachment is an act of Congress. It's not a criminal event. A felony of tax return is a felony. It's a criminal act. That's a whole different story. That's prison. It could be prison anyway. But it is a criminal act. You see? So that would be handed over to the Justice Department, not Congress. Different area. Great. Okay. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rabbi. And, uh, okay. Next week, actually Hanukkah is in two weeks. Right? So maybe I'll talk about Hanukkah next week and continue. Yes. Yes. You know. You know. You you really have to appreciate Yaakov and Esau's story because it is so pivotal to what's happening now the fight between subduing evil and bringing down Kedusha, the origins of Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, you see? And the two different jobs of Yaakov and Esav. I mean, all of us, this is with us today. And you have to really, really uh, be fascinated with the way the Torah deals with this, that it can use one set of sukkim verses to describe two different events. That's astounding.